Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. In both of his epistles to the new believers in the church in Thessalonica, Paul the Apostle speaks to them regarding the Lord's second coming and the rapture of the church. Then, near the end of the second book, He warns these new believers to avoid associating with those who walk disorderly. What is this disorderly walk that Paul was talking about, and what does it have to do with his fellowship on the events associated with the Lord's return? We'll uh, cover those points today, and Jim Miller, a new guest in the studio, is here to fellowship. Jim, good to have you here. I've been trying to get you here for a long time. I'm glad you were able to work it in today. Good to be here, Chris. Jim, let's open up by uh, looking at this verse in chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians. Verse 6, Paul says, Now we charge you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother walking disorderly and not according to the things which were handed down to you and which you received from us. In the context of these two letters, these two epistles to this church, of new believers, and I think it's quite clear. We've talked, of course, uh, consistently throughout this life study. The apostle passed through this city in Macedonia Mm -hmm. about a year before, perhaps, preached the gospel, established the church, and then was only with them for a few short weeks, maybe three or four weeks, and he is off and continuing, you know, on his ministry journey, right? right? And he has this deep concern to come back to them and perfect or complete their faith and really finish the foundation that he had laid. What is the connection here between his fellowship regarding the Lord's return and the second coming, all of these things that we've talked about, and this disorderly walk that he's uh, concerned for them about? Well, Chris, I think the problem that he's addressing here is a problem that's probably been uh, experienced or common to many believers in their earliest uh, years of their Christian life. And I think it's so wonderful to point out and to stress the fact that this is really an epistle to new believers. Right. It's really something written by a loving father, a nurturing mother to his offspring in the faith, doing his best to prevent or to save them from errors that he sees coming, uh, based upon their thought that since the Lord is coming so soon, why do we need to work? Why should we be bothered with our daily necessities? Why should we live as though there's a future when the Lord is evidently coming so soon? So in his treatment of this subject, you can very much see him as really a father, caring for the not only the current need of his offspring, but for their future in the Lord and their readiness to meet the Lord when he does come. Yeah, he had had this fellowship in the first book. He spoke about the rapture, the Lord's second coming in a very general way. He does get into a bit more detail in Second Thessalonians, but I can relate to this. I recall when I was newly saved, we were under this kind of thought. 
Right. A lot of us Very were much. young. We were young humanly. We were absolutely young in the Lord. And we thought the Lord was, you know, coming any minute. And in one sense, it's good to live our lives that right. way. Very much. But in another sense, it caused us to do some things that, in retrospect, were really not following the Lord and actually were quite foolish. Right. And I so much, uh, being uh, very similar in my experience to you, so much appreciate the corrective word which is found throughout Brother Lee's ministry in response to this problem. I don't know if would this be a good time to read a little excerpt from that or should sure. we save it? No, you can read it. Uh, I was reminded as we approach this subject today of a message given by Witness Lee in 1991 in a meeting in Berkeley, which I attended, which was attended mainly by high school and junior high young people. Wow. And in that uh, meeting, in this little booklet entitled God, Education, and Character, Brother Lee gives a remarkable priority of importance for the lives of every young believer who loves the Lord and intends to live to him for the duration of their life. Wow. And I thought I could just read a little, beginning from the first page. It says, the human life is a long race course. You are young perhaps 12, 13, or 14, we're a little older than that right now, and are at the beginning of your course. I, he said at that time, am 86. I have been running the course for many years and am at the finish. To be sure, I know what we human beings need to run our course well. Have you found out what people need? According to what I have experienced, we need three things. At that time, he asked the young people, what's the number one thing that we need? in our life. Uh A number of them said, uh, we need money. (laughs) (laughs) We need food. We need drink. To which, as it's recorded in the book, Brother Lee replied, to say that these three things are eating, drinking, and money is terrible. (laughs) 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 What we need is not eating, drinking, and money. In the whole universe, the most important one and the first one is God. Our need is not eating and drinking, but God. If you do not have God, You miss a lot. If you do not have God, you have not yet started your race. Because the worldly people do not know God, they have not started their course. They do not know what the race course is. They are simply in darkness. He went on to conclude, as long as you have God, everything is all right. Then he went on to the second requirement or uh, priority in a Uh young person's life, and he began by saying, what's the second thing you need? You may say it is the word, the church life, the body life, or to be burning in spirit, but if you have God, you have all these things. God is the totality of these items. That implies a lot. You may also say that we need a, a spirit to contact God. Yes, you do. You have a spirit, but that is not the second thing you need. The number one thing young people need is God. This may surprise you, but the second thing you need is education. Wow. So he went on then to uh, characterize their attitude toward education, saying, oh, education, that's terrible. From preschool to kindergarten, elementary, junior high, high school and university, we study books from the time we're four years old. I hate all the books. He represented their feeling. He said, you do nothing but handle book after book for 20 years. If you do not spend 20 years for education, you might be a wretched person, never knowing that you need God. His compass was pretty well set, wasn't it? Very well set. And what a word. Uh, here he is, 86, at the, right, uh, right. you know, really the zenith, the pinnacle of his life and ministry, and right. imparting this kind of word to young teenagers. Wow. It was a tremendous word, and one that I love to repeat to young people. Okay, Jim, what's the title of it again? <laughs> <laughs> the title of this little uh, nine-page booklet is 
God, Education, and Character in a series of books uh, specifically published for new believers, young believers. All right. At the end of the program, we'll give, of course, our toll-free number and uh, uh, some instructions on how the listeners can get in touch with us. All right, Jim, let's join Witness Lee, and then uh, we'll get some more maybe loving fatherly correction here. Amen. In the uh, conclusion of this book to the young believers, Paul put in another point, that is to correct them in their uh, disorderly walk. It seems to us it is not so important, but uh, it is very practical. I believe this disorder comes from the misconception of the Lord's coming back so soon. They thought uh, that the Lord is coming back, so we don't need to uh, do any work as long as we can eat, regardless whether that is your own bread or you eat others, as long as you can eat, you can survive, that'd be okay. You become not the super apostles, but you become the super believers. You are above the level of the proper spirituality. A good number of young people, they thought, as long as we love the Lord so much, we don't need to go on to get higher education. The higher education really means nothing to us. Even we can do uh, some kind of a simple work. That's okay. That is absolutely wrong. Because we are born in this age and we are living in a world which is an age of education, an age of knowledge. So if you are going to live in this age, you need the proper education. You need the proper knowledge. Otherwise, you cannot make a living. I say to you young ones, don't think as long as we are spiritual, we are seeking after the Lord, we are for the Lord's testimony. We don't need to do that much work. We don't need to have that much preparation. This is wrong. Uh, I encourage you all, uh, young ones who are under 20, to finish your college course, and if possible, that you do have the talent to uh, study better majors, to pick up medical, to pick up law, to pick up some other higher and heavier subjects. Do the best to learn something. If you don't have the uh, proper education, it'll be hard for you to uh, survive. Jim, very uh, practical as well as a loving word here. It's easy to identify with this thought. At least, it, it like I say, it was for me. I was 21, just barely 22, and I met the Lord. And right. uh, we thought the Lord could come any day. We just need to save our time. We spent a lot of time to pray together, a lot of time to read the Bible. Right. Had a lot of good things we were going to do with our time. As I recall, uh, we didn't spend that much time doing those things, though we used it as a good excuse sometimes to avoid getting into school. Yeah. Fortunately, I got some help. Some of the others that I was with got some help, and we did jump back in right. and pursue a good education. But I appreciated a lot that little portion you read out of that book. You got any more gems in there? Yeah, I'd like to maybe continue a little because it is so much, uh, I think, the experience of many of us as young believers. 
in his uh, words on education, Brother Lee went on to say, some of you may say that this is too much, too much to say that God is number one and education is number two. But he said, no, this is not too much. According to my experience of human life, education is next only to God. I thank God that when I was young, he afforded me the opportunity, the time to receive him. I had God when I was young. Moreover, at the same time, I received a certain amount of education. He went on to say, I encourage you all to consider your education, especially the last 10 years of it. Next year, you may go on to high school. There are a total of four years. Then you go on to college. I encourage you, do not stop your education after graduation from high school. If you don't get a PhD, you have to at least get a master's degree. His standard was very high because he knew, just as you said, this notion of the Lord's coming had as much mixed in it of our own ease and pleasure as it did our expectation of the Lord's coming. So he very much viewed education as the responsibility and the duty of every young person to fulfill. Well, a good summary and a marvelous topic. Great help, I think, for a lot of young people, and hopefully many of our listeners, perhaps some parents among them, would uh, take our offer of uh, getting this booklet. So we'll, again, come back to that at the end. Jim, let's go back now to what has really been a theme through both of these books. A key verse in the second book, surely is chapter 2, verse 13, where Paul said, God chose you from the beginning unto, and I like this phrase, Mm. salvation in sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Now, I want to go back and add one more verse as a background to what we're about to hear, and that is the first verse from the second book, which is almost exactly the same as the first verse of the first book to the Thessalonians. Chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy, listen, to the church of the Thessalonians In God our Father, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That will become, I think, apparent of why it's important as we get into this next point of fellowship. Here's Witness Lee once more. These two books are on a holy life. A number of times in these two books, this kind of word, holy, sanctification, sanctify, have been repeatedly used. The main verses are these. Number one, in the first book, Paul says it is God's will to be sanctified. And God has not called us on a condition of uncleanness, but he rather called us in sanctification. This is a strong word in chapter 4 of the first book. Then at the ending, we all know that verse, the God of peace, sanctify you wholly. No doubt, all such words tell us that this book cares for a holy life. Then in the second book, we are told even more strongly that God has chosen us unto a salvation that is carried out in sanctification. To be holy, to be sanctified, is the carrying out of God's practical salvation. So, these two books are just on such 
a holy life, a life that is separated into God, sanctified, holy by God and for God. And such a holy life is for the church life. You may ask, based upon what you add this phrase for the church life? Just based upon the first verse of the two books, the Apostles Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church, you see, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. To the church. And this indicates Paul's writing on the holy life with the intention that these Thessalonian believers may have a proper church, may live a proper church life. So this holy life is for the church life. Uh, Jim, it strikes me that the apostle here is also saving them from another common error, especially, I would say, for young believers, and that is the pursuit of such, you know, a high thing, a spiritual thing as our sanctification, our holiness, is not an individual pursuit, is it? Very much so. In fact, I was just having some fellowship last night with a very dear young brother whose life has very much been focused on his love for the Lord and his gaining the Lord. But through our fellowship, we had the opportunity to touch this matter of the church, that the sanctification which is required for our knowing the Lord and gaining him and growing him is a sanctification which has as its goal, and you could even say which is in the sphere of the church, the church life. And so one of the key things we as young believers, as new believers, need to consider is how is our church life, and are we living a holy life for the church, rather than just for our own attainment or our own spiritual uh, growth or development. That is a strong temptation. And actually, as we go on a bit with the Lord, I think we get a realization that this can be even one of the ugliest manifestations of the flesh to obtain a kind of outward spirituality, not that genuine that we wear like a kind of a badge of honor before uh, our peers. This really doesn't have a very good smell before the Lord, does it? Before the Lord, nor before the believers. <laughs> and it's one of the biggest damages to the fellowship in the church life, very much. Well, what we all need is the real sanctification, this sanctification Amen. of the Spirit that we've talked about. And this matter of sanctification, clearly a key point throughout both of these books. In chapter 4 of the second book, in two places, verse 3 and verse 7, Paul says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Right. And then in verse 7, For God has not called us for uncleanness, but... In sanctification. Let's go back to Witness Lee for our final segment today. These two books always strive the basic structure of such a life. And these basic structures are just faith as the foundation, love as the building up, and hope as the finishing, the top stone, the completion of this building. So you could see again and again, he, the writer, touches these three things. How these three things have been established and how the writer tried to foster these three things, faith, love, and hope. And how they encourage the saints to grow in these things. Even 
to the last chapter of the last book, he still touches these three things in a very emphatic way. Now, I would conclude this way. To carry out the salvation in sanctification, to uh, grow in these basic structures of such a holy life for the church life, we need the eternal life as the eternal encouragement. And we need the Spirit as the very grace. And eventually, we need the grace. It is by the eternal life as the eternal encouragement, and by the Spirit as grace, and by grace as the process time God, we live such holy life for the church life with these three structures not only founded but fostered and established and even encouraged to the end. This is the two books. Boy, great summary, Jim. If we would focus on these things with our children, with the young people, and even with one another, this uh, encouragement of the eternal life and the Spirit as grace and grace as the triune God for the church life, we would find our daily lives uh, quite changed, don't you think? Very much so. There's so much contained in this closing word of Brother Lee's. You wish we could just keep the program going to even (laughs) touch it. But I was particularly touched with this matter of the encouragement of eternal life. Yeah, Eternal life received and enjoyed by us is so encouraging. I remember Brother Lee saying a number of times, where there's life, there's hope. (laughs) If you're alive, there's hope for you. And that's, of course, the most encouraging thing. And this is an eternal hope of the eternal life and an eternal encouragement, which is the basis of this sanctified, this holy life for the church life. And then this word concerning love for the building up and the spirit as grace and grace not just as something given but as the very processed God himself. Mm. We have everything we need to live a holy life for the church life. Jim, it's been uh, a real um, pleasure and a real joy. You and I have always had a good fellowship. It's been a a delight and a a joy. We're happy to offer you this book. It's called God, Education, and Character. It's actually part of, as Jim, you mentioned, uh, a set of short messages, primarily given to young believers, but uh, that could be a great help, I think, to any uh, in terms of establishing these basic structures, as he called them, of the Christian life. Another book in this series is called Treasuring the Teenage Years for the Lord, and a marvelous message he gave on Hiram in uh, in the Old Testament, the builder of the pillars. Hiram was a pillar builder, and that has a marvelous application to all the young people, doesn't it? A wonderful eye-opener to an entire generation of young people whose lives were forever changed and blessed by receiving that word from the Lord. And if you'd like uh, actually to get any of these three, give us a call, and I'll give you that information now, how you can reach us. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788 or send email to radio at lsm.org. And uh, that is all the time we have today. I'm grateful to and uh, offer my thanks to Jim Miller. And for Jim, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening.
Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs consist of excerpts from Witness Lee's spoken ministry, along with our discussion and comments, and all focusing on God's heart's desire that we would enjoy Christ as the divine life for man. These Life Study messages show us that every book of the Bible reveal that enjoying Him in this way will bring us to the goal of our salvation. There are more than 1,700 programs like this one available online free of charge that you can download, stream live, or add to your podcast subscription. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. That's lsmradio.com. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today. What is the church? The church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23. The body of Christ is not an organization, but an organism constituted of all the regenerated believers for the expression and activities of the head. The body of Christ is the issue of the incarnated, crucified, resurrected, and ascended Christ who has come into the church. By means of the ascended Christ's heavenly transmission, we are made one with him, and thus his body is produced. Scripture, Ephesians 1.23, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.